A long, long time ago, but in a place not too far away. Those lines really sound like the beginning of a fantasy novel. Well, you will agree, Ashwin, that the book in my hand has got all the meat or even masala to be transformed into one. Unexpected dinosaur fossil finds, ancient human skull discoveries, and not by any Thor-like superhero, but real-life hammer-wielding paleontologists, geologists, and archaeologists here in India. Right. To those who are listening, geologists analyze rocks, archaeologists pore over man-made artifacts, and paleontologists study fossils. Fossils, of course, are those rocky impressions or preserved remains of plants and creatures from the past. Pranay Lal's book Indica, published in 2016, is a minefield of information on the early life of the Indian subcontinent. A creation inspired by Pranay's wide-ranging achievements. He's a biochemist working for an international tuberculosis-focused group. But he's also been an animator, a caricaturist, a journalist. He's even studied forestry at Oxford. Of course, he's also an ardent student of geology and paleontology. A self-taught expert in this subject. The book is a culmination of a two-decade-long love affair, kept aflame through travels and conversations with experts. And finally, after several months of pursuit, we managed to get Pranay to our mic. He was travelling to Chennai on work. So at the break of dawn... Yeah, like at 6am... Before his workday as a public health expert kicked off, we met him at a city hotel. Excuse me, hi. Can we get some water? Is it possible? After 22 years of moonlighting as a geologist... Pranay got Indica published. But he had set sail on this odyssey even earlier, as a child playing with Bedouin kids in Africa and as an inquisitive youngster with an unending list of questions. When my parents came back from Africa to India, I, I was in Bombay and I had several questions about the Western Ghats. Fantastic as they are, they're also very mysterious. The Western Ghats, for those who are unfamiliar, is a biodiversity-rich mountain range running along the west coast of India. I mean, how could you create structures like that just so close to the sea? You could see something rising. I mean, it's just like Hawaii, right? It's volcanic in origin, but very few of my teachers could explain me that. They could not tell me why the rivers that originate near Mahabaleshwar, Panjgani, did not go into, into the Arabian Sea, but went right across the Bay of Bengal. And I think that was a very natural question for a child who was uh, in class 7 or 8, which never got answered. But the journey for those questions uh, is possibly is the one that set me off you know, on this 22-year-old journey to write Indica. In some parts of this geological fossil hunt, Pranay was accompanied by his wife Vandana and kids Arya and Avi. Vacations often meant Spartan trips to rural India. The search was always for time-worn proofs of primordial life chiseled onto boulders, rocks, or sometimes even embedded in amber. Pranay unknowingly had fallen into the rabbit hole of geology and grown curiouser and curiouser. I must have been a cat in my previous life, at least a young juvenile cat, extremely curious. And I can be a complete gadfly when it comes to, if I find an expert, I am a complete parasite. So He I, wanted I to know more and more about the diversity of fossils in the subcontinent. These kinds of quests are particularly exciting in India, because believe it or not, India was a slow-cruising island continent just 100 million years ago. <laughs> I like the way you say, just 100 million years ago. 
A hundred million years is just a blink of an eye in the Earth's four billion year lifetime. Okay, go on. So, India continued to drift towards Asia after splitting from Gondwana. The supercontinent that comprised India, Australia, Africa, South America, Madagascar and Antarctica. Exactly. As India floated towards Asia, its isolation would have sparked endemic species found nowhere else in the world. Australia's seclusion, for example, has meant that marsupials or pouch-bearing animals like kangaroos are only found down under. Pranay needed answers, so he kept the phones and doorbells of experts in the field ringing. Pradeep Kishan was one of them. He was a documentary filmmaker turned tree expert and part of Pranay's camp of non-academic inquisitors. And, you know, he had some uh, fan- fantastic insights on uh, something that I was grappling with on the origin of uh, what is the possible reason why we have dipterocarp forests in central India the way they... Dipterocarps, translated from Greek as two-winged fruits, refers to rainforest trees with, well, you know, two-winged fruits that grow to great heights. I had been talking to a lot of foresters and forest ecologists and uh, other experts and they did not have an answer. But here was a man who's not a botanist. He's a history and a literature person, a filmmaker. Uh, Of course, he had written the book uh, on uh, the trees of Delhi, which was also a fantastic field guide. And he had a very, very good answer and something that should have struck me because I have a, I'm have a biochemist and have a, some understanding of microbiology and I, and I was amazed and I, I and I then started talking to him about the rocks and the soil types and you know we, we began a very very interesting relationship from there on and he's uh, somebody who's prodded me to write this book. Ashok Sani, another wonderful wonderful man, the grand old man of Indian paleontology. So many uh, discoveries made by him. I think I think he's lost count of how many creatures from the past have been named after him. The warm-hearted 77-year-old researcher had been credited with scooping out or reconstructing several fossilized trophies, including those of dinosaurs, whales and And, amber-trapped insects. He's somebody who was, you know, who told me about places and people to meet and also tried simplifying very, very complex uh, science papers. So he's somebody who's, who's also been very, very instrumental in getting me to write Indica. There were other eccentric inspirations too. There are fascinating things in, even in a pinch of soil. One of my gurus uh, in Oxford University was uh, Frank Thompson. This was in the 90s and Pranay was in England to study forestry. Uh, He had this ability to pick up a piece of soil, especially forest soil, because although it is full of detritus and organic matter, it is still not potent enough to make you sick. And he would be able to take a pinch of it in his mouth, put it at the edge of his tongue, just taste it and, you know, spit it out. And that was something that would inform him about the chemical nature, the kind of organism that would live there, you know, the quality of the detritus, how old is it and whether it's broadleaf or conifer. And, you know, I picked up, I would say, 5% of what he knew. Uh, But even that, I think, has helped me a lot. So while traveling in India, you know, I'm able to say that this is a phosphorus-rich rock versus this being, uh, having a hint of uh, magnesium. There are things that your tongue can tell you. There are some things that, you know, acids and the hand lens tell you. Readers are infused with this spirit of inquiry blitzing through Indica's vivid illustrations, photographs and text. It manages to put lay people like us under the spell of this earthly science. 
although geology is a very uh, deals with things which are very old paleontology deals with fossils that are millions and billions of years old uh, the science is very young we are still understanding things about mother earth we don't know very much about it and several places within india are still untouched when it comes to paleontology or even geology history continues to be recarved in this field in may for instance a rock quarried 8 years ago by geologists working on a site in odisha in eastern india was reported to contain a 4.2 billion year old zircon in terms of geological time that's breathtakingly close to the birth of the blue planet zircon crystals themselves are relevant because they are the earliest shards of earth and radioactive components in these crystals help us date rocks ashwin so what does this mean for the dharwar craton you know the 3.5 billion year old bedrock in south india indica kicks off with a description of it doesn't it it does for those unfamiliar a craton loosely translates into shield from the greek language essentially it's a very old and stable part of the earth's crust we asked pranay about what this recent discovery meant for the darbar craton touted to be one of the oldest rocks in india this finding of uh, of a rock or or a, or a bedrock in odisha which is this old is amazing it has actually set back the age of rocks by several million if not billion years because we knew the rocks the basement rocks of in odisha are very old but uh, what has happened now is that it's uh, reset our understanding of the fact that this could be the older rock rather than dharwad uh, or uh, the other rocks around dharwad region uh, that were previously considered to be the oldest so there's going to be no- very it will continue debate. the conversation started decades ago by noted geologists and paleontologists like ashok sahani and arun sonakya who sadly passed away very recently our very own indiana jonesus you mean among paleontologists yeah while ashok sahani has plowed through dinosaur nesting sites in central india arun sonakya chanced upon the skull of narmada homo erectus the only human ancestor find from india but pranay cringes in dismay that many excavations these days merely focus on mining and other money raking activities remnants of our creation wasted away our focus ever since the british have left has increasingly been on searching for minerals and you know what is called economic geology paleontologists are looking for index fossils that tell you that a certain mineral is there in a certain layer of rock so that's the expertise of paleontology that is now being exploited if you discover a new mammal species or a new creature from the past it has very little relevance for the economy of the country now you may say that this is unavoidable right but some nations do manage to strike a balance very many countries across the world and to name a few argentina and the us the uk certainly is possibly the most geologically mapped country in the world australia botswana angola and namibia south africa these countries have done a fascinating amount of work not just on economic geology but also paleontology and they've made some amazing discoveries india needs to have a larger perspective when it comes to geology which should include paleontology it should look at look at hydrology it should be a more rounded science rather than just looking at the economics of it in fact pranay describes two contrasting mindsets and i thought they were pretty precise labels i don't know whether you know in taxonomy there are things called lumpers and and splitters right 
So lumpers are those people who are happy with generalization because they want to see the big picture. So they like to step back, right, and see how everything originated. And they like to club things together that could possibly be related in some way. There are splitters who like to split everything and say that listen, we would like to, if there are exceptions to rules, we need to keep them separately and treat them separately. I happen to be a lumper than a than a splitter, and I've tried looking at geology, biology, and chemistry as a chemist to look at how it informs us about the life around us and the landscapes that exist today. Anyway, this money-minded drive of geology is hurting fossil-studded sites. A coal mine with a bounty of amber-trapped insects has been pummeled with drillers, and in another case, a site with Whale fossils was rammed by earth movers, turned into a dumpyard. Quite a few of them have been flattened by roads. Politicians, unsurprisingly, are wobbly in their support for such sites that are often wedged in mines or farmlands. There is no policy in who uh, finds, and if you find an entire skeleton or anything of uh, national or global relevance, uh, you could as well be sitting on it and don't share it. I mean, you're not supposed to report it as well. For archaeological monuments, there is a very good schedule which actually specifies the nature and the kind of monuments that will be preserved. And that is a living list. You could notify new monuments that could be added. Unfortunately, for geology, there is no such provision for preserving a la- part of landscape. There is very little that a geological survey of India can do or Department of Mines can do because there are larger, more powerful ministries that are exerting pressure for extraction. We've seen such beautiful fossil sites just getting submerged under landfills or sanitary waste or or just even solid waste from construction. In his book, Pranay narrates the crazy story of a mistaken identity, the tale of cannonball-shaped rocks that were later pegged by paleontologist Ashok Sani to actually be fossilized eggs of dinosaurs. The other example which I've written in my book uh, is about uh, India having one of the largest uh, dinosaur nesting sites starting from west of Indore going as far as Baroda or west of Baroda actually. But there are cement companies that that have been there historically which have been finding these curious round-shaped cannonballs as they called it and they used it initially for lining their gardens and their offices or just you know using it as an artifact. Most of these were actually turned into a cement. I mean and it ended up possibly on our walls. A million or billion years of fossil history crushed to cement someone's home, you're probably face palming. Well, it's not all frustrating. The Indian government seems willing to huddle with experts in this field about creating a national repository, a natural history museum of sorts. I think we are getting ready. There's already a, a lot of discussion happening towards creating museums. There's a national museum that might come up in Delhi. You know, at least it's on the anvil. There's another museum of natural history that is being planned in Vishakhapatnam by the Ministry of Environment and Forest. And there are several other regional museums, uh, natural history museums that the Ministry of Environment and Forest uh, maintains. There's a pretty good one in Bhopal. It needs more idea. It needs more innovation. And I think it needs to keep up with time. Uh, and especially with discoveries that are made locally. In other words, Pranay favours small over big. So exhibits of local findings that create a sense of ownership instead of a huge, all-encompassing collection from all over that fails to strum a conservation cord in the community. Typically, a museum in India, is, especially a natural history museum, is what it likes to do is um, 
tell a whole story you know from the birth of the planet to um, you know uh, anthropocene or or uh, you know what we are doing to the planet today you can't cover 4.6 billion years in seven and a half rooms or something like that in which you will have a cafeteria and everything thrown in you know uh, and that's that's my real worry i think uh, we don't do museums that are locally relevant the university of kansas for example has uh, to die for museum it's all in in about three or four rooms it's just that big they've placed all their fossils in the lawns and people can touch them and kansas as you know was under under the sea in the jurassic until early cretaceous you know the, the american landmass was cut through by a giant seaway it only joined in much later and that as the sea closed these sea creatures you know got embedded in the sediments that uh, were coming together they got sandwiched in them and they're beautifully preserved in in Kansas and Montana and Utah you know the central states of America and all these uh, universities whether you go to Montana Utah uh, or, uh, or or Kansas you find you know small universities and even private museums um, and it it's locally relevant uh, and brings a sense of what existed in a place say a 100 150 million years ago or 50 million years ago and they take you through time i see the connection between conservation and common folk having access to these geological treasures yes and he means literally allowing people to touch and feel the fossils you know what i am thinking holy crap <laughs> well those could very well be the words of paleontologists guarding the fragile discoveries if people are coming and are disapproving of somebody writing graffiti on walls or defacing a artifact there's got to be enough censure a lot of people are especially historians geologists paleontologists are concerned that if we were to open up rare sites to the public it's going to get plundered we need to start educating people people do uh, leave their graffiti and and you know their love notes on uh, on monument walls is because there's very little censure and i think you cannot imagine doing that say anywhere else in the world right so a hub and spoke network of museums smaller local ones and a larger natural history museum in the country's capital in fact pranay is part of a committee that is working with the indian government for this and like the ones in the us and elsewhere this institution will support research too wow kind of makes the effort of this book worthwhile hopefully the government will now walk its talk Meanwhile, Pranay continues to play a beagle. Do you know what his latest hunt is? A quest for the elusive velvet worm. He does talk about it in his book. There's even a picture of the velvet worm from a Malaysian forest. Apparently, it was one of the first creatures to have colonized land, but it hasn't been sighted in India since 1911. Now, there's only one record of this from Upper Assam. and i mentioned it in my book and i have been seeking it for a very long time i have made about 20 trips to upper assam and sikkim looking for it in the night and i have not found it and i'm hoping that someday i will take the first photograph of a living velvet worm in india i've seen it in in myanmar i've seen it uh, several times in malaysia it's relatively easy to find them there but you know it would be really good if we could see it in india i mean that would be really really nice 
Thank you for listening. Uh, I feel relieved. Robert, thank you. Until next time. Bye bye.